Welcome to Evolve to Succeed, the podcast that brings together entrepreneurs, founders, business leaders, and experts to talk about their journeys and explore the link between personal and business success. I'm your host, Juan Munson, founder of Evolve, a coaching, training, and development company focused on enabling business and personal success and creating a community of like-minded individuals. Whether that be through our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, our training and development programs for you and your teams, or through our content and events, our mission is to get the best out of each individual and inspire them to be better both in life and in business. If you want to learn more about Evolve, including our beautiful co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul, then please go to evolvemembers.com where you'll find great content, insights, details of all of our services and also information on our forthcoming events. For now though, let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode. Today I'm speaking to Will Rolfe who together with his brother Harry produced two fields olive oil from a small farm in Greece. As you'll hear, olive oil farming was something they both unexpectedly fell into and it's a great story of love, learning and reconnecting to nature and the value of taking things slowly. Both Will and Harry have found profound meaning in the simple olive and the act of producing their small batch olive oil has transformed both their lives in significant ways. Amongst other things on this episode, we talk about the brothers' extraordinary journeys to get to this point, what it's like to work with your sibling, the ethos and values and principles behind Two Field, their connection with their local community in Greece, and the legacy they hope to leave behind. I really hope you enjoy this special conversation. Welcome, Will, to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you. I'm really excited about our conversation today. We're going to talk about, you know, the business that you've got, uh, two fields with your brother, uh, how it's slightly unique, slightly quirky and all of those kind of things. It's got some great principles and values behind it. I want us to talk about all of those things. But for our listeners, we should probably start with you just talking us through the journey of how you and your brother Harry came to be olive oil producers in Greece. Yeah, it was certainly never the plan, that's for sure. It's not an everyday story, <laughs> is it? Um, but we, we we were actually on holiday um, in Crete, and uh, when we were there in Zakros, which is like a tiny village of about 800 to 1,000 people, we, um, we were visiting, and my brother met his now wife and fell in love, and within a few months have moved there to, to be together. Wow. So that's kind of... And it's funny because... Um, it's kind of interesting reflecting back on how my brother's choices have kind of impacted my yeah. life as much as anything else. So, um, and really, when we we all kind of fell in love with just Zakros, it's a farming community. Every family farms. Okay. Every family owns two hundred, three hundred, four hundred olive trees, and that kind of craft and that land has really been passed down the generations. So, okay. there's something incredibly beautiful about it. The olive oil is 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 beautiful as well, and so. That really kind of captivated us. Yeah. But I think as we transitioned from kind of spending time or visiting to really spending time and becoming part of a community and part of a family, we scratched beneath the surface and were kind of confronted with the conventional farming system for the first time. Okay. And that kind of beautiful craft and that kind of system that wasn't really valuing it. Okay, there was kind of a clash. Of, there was a clash, yeah. yeah. And that kind of was the start of the seed that kind of yeah. set us off. So what were you, I'm just going to need to ask this, what were you doing before your brother Harry 
uh, fell in love <laughs> and you ended up doing this. I mean, did you have a background in food and sustainability or anything like that? No, uh, well, we we didn't have any background in food or farming. Okay. Um, but uh, my background was in design, and so industrial design, more like product design. Okay. But kind of uh, specialised, I guess, in sustainability. Particularly excited about sustainability, I'd always been. Okay. And design was always a kind of vehicle to allow me to do sustainable environmental things. Okay. But I was at university and becoming, to be honest, increasingly frustrated <laughs> at the <laughs> lack of kind of emphasis on it. So... Um, yeah, that kind of all of those things kind of connected it with two fields, and I've always had a great love for food, yeah. just never in a in a sense of business or doing anything around that. So. Okay. And Harry's background prior to this, um, he was at university. He studied he studied business, um, although I think that's a long, <laughs> a, a distant memory. <laughs> uh, and then he was he was in Australia for a little while as a waiter and working front of house and okay. kind of I think we. We were both at points in our lives where we were, we weren't kind of set down that path. Yeah, yet. you were looking for something, and what yeah your meaning would be, and what you do. And yeah, yeah, and I think all of those things, both not having that path maybe, and also not knowing anything about yeah. the food industry or farming, while incredibly daunting, is quite freeing in a lot of ways. You're not constrained by you know ideas that have been passed down to you or ideas yeah. you think you need to do this way yeah uh, we had no idea you're free yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're kind of free to think how you want to think and do the things you want to do haven't you which is the great thing about starting a business when you're so young yeah yeah exactly and 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 i do wonder sometimes i think i think every person maybe who starts a business must think this if I knew everything <laughs> that I knew when I, we were going to start, would we start? Or what, <laughs> yeah, would we, we ever do it? Yeah. I think the answers are quite firm. No, probably <laughs> well in terms of that. Some of the experiences and challenges, and we'll come on to some of those. So this is, if I'm right, and if I got the dates wrong, I apologize. This is around 2013-14. So you go to Crete, your brother falls in love, he goes to Zacross, you obviously go and visit... How do you? I'm still fascinated. You know, you get involved in the community. The community's, you know, olive farm farmers, and and you get involved. But how do you go from that to then producing this great product that you now market? You know, the two fields olive oil. Yeah, I mean, and and there's kind of been two uh, big steps in that journey. Um, but I think the first was really when my brother was in Greece in. Originally, he started working in the fields, okay, and that was really as a way to to make some money to get by, right? Yeah. Because he had to earn something to stay there, and that's the industry. So he worked in the fields, he worked in the local shop, he worked in the factory, and kind of slowly picked up a bit of knowledge. Um, I was at university and had long summers, so I used to just spend all my summers there. So, okay, um, and, and I think we we just kind of we we felt like there was something not right. Like there was yeah. this beautiful thing and something not right. And 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 just over long conversations over a beer, these ideas kept kind of coming back okay. and there was something beautiful there. And and then really my brother became, or you know, both of us really became apprentices to local farmers. And okay. we started to learn much more directly. And then we kind of saved up and, and we bought our own two fields. And that was, that's two acres. So okay. su super small, I think when we talk about farming, we might have other ideas. We're much more like an apple orchard than okay. anything else. Yeah. Um, and so, so actually, it was when I was on my placement year, and I was meant to be doing placement at uni, and 
we've been searching for fields and it's not super easy to get fields. No, and you, they've passed down the generations. They don't surely come on the market that often. Yeah, and also, exactly. And also when you're, you know, when you're looking for fields, you want them to be right. You want to make sure you get, there's certain things and, and Yenny Eleni's father-in-law really helped us with that. And actually my placement, my first half of my placement fell through and the day it fell through, my brother phoned and I was like, what am I going to do? And my brother phoned to say, I found them. I found the fields. And I was like, well, I'm free. so <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go and get on a plane and I'll be with you. Um, and so that was the kind of the seed that started it. But then fast forward a chunk and that was really around, you know, we spent a lot of time. Well, we were focused on regenerative farming. We were becoming apprentices and learning how to farm. And we can kind of delve into that a bit. Yeah. Um, but that started with one pallet of 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 bottles, you know, super yeah. small, and that sold out, and that became two pallets of bottles. And the whole premise was we hand pick our olives, we hand number every bottle, right. and every drop comes from our two fields. So complete transparency. But then, through a kind of set of other circumstances, most recently, we about two years ago now, a year and a half ago, we launched a community collective. So instead of growing and becoming bigger in a bigger farm, yeah. we realized that actually, you know, through some of the huge challenges facing our community, mm. what we need is more small farmers who are who are farming regeneratively and oh, rebuilding okay. so them. They're following your principles, they're following the values, they're doing it sustainably, regeneratively. Yeah, exactly. And then become part of a collective. And so and so really now a, a huge the majority of our business um, two fields has kind of evolved and it's around teaching these practices on the ground yeah. providing local farming families with fair livelihoods and then partnering with restaurants um, okay. directly in the UK so there's been a kind of change as we started as a kind of yeah. more D2C business and now we're a little bit more B2C although we run that a little bit differently and so there's always been this kind of constant evolution yeah but that's business isn't it as you start in business you start with what you can do and what what works and then you sort of grow and you pivot and you find new opportunities and, and that that's about being entrepreneurial and finding your way isn't it yeah and it's and it's exciting and it's also really exciting to to have the opportunity to kind of give back to the community that now everything we have you know our, yeah. our family you know how we make it in, a living the kind of skills and craft they were all given to us yeah. right and so to be able to to try to help in another way is is really amazing and I suppose, you know, with Harry and Elena and that relationship and those those kind of things, I suppose there was no issue and you were always welcomed into the community? Or was it, was there a strange look at any point that these two English lads have come here, they want to be olive, you know, farmers? Was there any moment of angst in there? No, I think, um, I think we were really blessed that we were welcomed so amazingly yeah. by Elena's family and, and... Um, particularly Yanni, her father-in-law, kind of took us under his wing and, and taught us so much. So I think one of the big factors in that is that actually farming really helped in that because mm. suddenly you have a deep understanding of what people are doing and suddenly, yeah. you know, I remember when I finished my first harvest, one of the guys in the village came around and put his arm around me and said, oh, you're from Zacros now. You know, there, it's a, okay. there's, there's a real identity and culture around olive farming yeah. and so I think being part of that made a huge difference. Yeah. And now, you know, especially with the community collective, when things get difficult in the fields and farming is incredibly mm -hmm. difficult, there's something powerful about a farmer being able to look left and see you 
on yeah. the line as well, you know, worried about your livelihood as well and be in the field, not yeah. kind of this distance yeah. thing. I so, suppose it's part of you became part and immersed yourself in the community and, and then therefore, I mean, they're lovely people, aren't they? So, you know, yeah, that and, part of the world, so they're going to be welcoming. And I mean, that's not to say there wasn't, you know, funny moments for sure. I mean, when we when we started, we talk a lot about soil health and microbiology yeah. and you know, through a culture and a language barrier, we were like, there's these invisible <laughs> microbes in the soil and they're going to save the world. And you kind of have local farmers being like, you should try and pick an olive first. Maybe. <laughs> 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 the basics first. <laughs> Brilliant. And so for our listeners, perhaps we should, do, and I'm really intrigued to understand this, is the difference between commercial olive farming and regenerative olive farming. Yeah, so... Um, Broadly speaking, as kind of an idea and a concept to think about, I would say on one end of the scale, which would be the kind of commercial, you have perfect rows of olive trees, you have big tractors, you might even have clamps that come around the base of the trees and shape the trees. You may read about um, dangers to birds with these machines, big monocultures, no biodiversity, and ultimately lots of chemicals sprayed. And so what you have is, if you can imagine the roots of an olive tree, they're almost like it's like a, on a drip yeah. it's like a chemical life support okay and so there's no natural resistance or vibrancy in the fields and okay. that is all around a system that prioritizes quantity yeah. and so if you're selling to a huge company and you've never left greece and you only have one selling option yeah. and that big company is pushing you down on price year on year yeah you kind of have to produce more that commercialization of it comes yeah to the forward isn't it and 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 really, it's it, it's a, we've got to be really careful when we talk about it because, you know, 70 years ago in Zakros, when the chemical revolution happened, you'd be mad not to want to spray chemicals. If someone yeah. said, oh, you know, you're worried about the pests and you want bigger yields and you, yeah. you want security and you want to de-risk. Yeah. And here's your solution. And yeah, you'd go, wow, yeah. yeah, of course. And of course, I think what's happened over that time is we had a buffer in a way, and we didn't see all of those consequences immediately. And now that buffer has really come to an end and we're seeing the consequences of what that means. And we're seeing, you know, soil that's brittle and lifeless and 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 ultimately I think what a regenerative system is is the other end of that spectrum for us, because we have trees. The perfect thing is a forest, right? Okay. And so everything we're trying to do is to become more forest and farm. We plant diverse cover crops, so we have lots of biodiversity and greenery in our fields. We collect the, the microbes, which I talked about. You can dig under the surface of a natural um, forest, and you can see the mycelium, and you smell all that microbial life. You can collect that and turn it into teas and sprays to bring life back into your fields. Okay. We um, have local manure. We focus on circular farming principles, so all of our offcuts are... Um, uh, wood chipped and mulched and returned to the land like how in a forest the leaves would fall yeah, and feed and the they, soil they mulch and they become part of the soil again and, and so it's 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 been a, a kind of this process of reading lots of books and finding people to follow online and and piece by piece putting this together and actually one of our big challenges in the beginning was in 2015 when we kind of fell in love with all of this even in in the uk the idea of regenerative and that conversation hadn't bubbled back up to the surface. And so in those first couple of years, it could feel really isolating, right? Mm. To be like, we're talking about this thing and we've never really, you know, not having the confidence of having years of farming behind you and not being able to connect with anyone 
personally who kind of knew that and then we kind of connected in with a few people in Cornwall and that and and then one person in Greece and that kind of you know it all kind of came together um but I think ultimately the reason regenerative is important it's important environmentally yeah um because we need to you know we're storing more carbon in our soils we're utilizing water we're, we're doing some amazing we're increasing biodiversity we're making sure we have insect life all of that's really important but on a practical level in Greece we're a village of 800 or a thousand everyone's livelihood comes from farming and you know we love in this country to talk about fair livelihoods mm-hmm. and paying people fairly and that is really important but if you don't do it time and time again and build a relationship yeah. then it doesn't matter mm-hmm. and you can do that as well but it also doesn't matter if you don't have olives on the trees yeah. right so when we talk about fair secure livelihoods we actually need to talk about land security building resilient ecosystems that year after year can grow food to support people and all of that starts with the soil okay. and we felt that firsthand where there's been years that have been difficult mm. and other people have struggled and we've been good right and because you've looked after the land and you've i'm gonna say invested back in but yeah protected yeah. invested the time and effort to make sure the land and it, it, it produces exactly right it is investing because you know ultimately we we take from our land. Yeah. We produce olives and we go into the press and we produce. And you can't just take, 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 take. No. You have to give back. And and you have to have a mindset. And I think, you know, farming does this, You ha- which has really helped in our business as well. You have to have a mindset. These trees have been here for 75 years, 80 yeah. years, you know, long before we... We don't really own the land. Yeah. We're just looking after it for this period. Do you think you're custodians of the land? Is that how you feel? Yeah, uh, uh, completely, and 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 much more so now after um, very sadly losing Yanni, Eleni's father, who kind of taught us everything, and and having the honor and also scary honor of of being past his fields and okay. and looking after that that land is and you know that's like looking after the master's trees, you yeah. know, and that's an incredible incredibly exciting thing, but also a really yeah. nerve-wracking thing it's, it's it? an honor but with it comes lots of responsibility yeah and, and 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 it also all of that goes to to support eleni and uh, her mother-in-law mm-hmm. or our mother-in-law katarina her mother yeah. yanni's wife so there's a livelihood piece in that as well but you know to to be given the opportunity to look after trees that someone has spent their whole life tending and looking after and loving yeah. and you know from being there that relationship yeah you know you, you do feel like that and 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 you hope as well and in that process it gives real depth as well because you understand that you've been passed on something and we used to really talk when Yenny was alive and we kind of talked about two fields we used to talk about the passing of the craft we're being passed you know yeah actively and when he passed away that had happened right that yeah. craft had been passed and so it would be a great honor for us to be able to do that as well in wow. a way incredible it's just you know hairs on the back of my neck is standing up when you talk about that and it it's just great to see the, the amount of values and ethos but you know a lot of businesses talk about having values don't they and i often say they have these values they put them on a wall they put them in a leaflet they put them on a website but they don't behave aligned to them what i'm getting from this conversation is you know the actually your business with harry is 
based on a real strong sense of right, wrong, ethos, values, and you live and breathe them. Yeah, and I think, you know, in part that's because farming is like, it's our life as much as as much yeah. as it's a business with all the challenges that come with that as yeah. well but it'd be easy when times you must have had some difficult harvests and when you have a difficult harvest it must be the challenge might be right next year we just need that great yield what can we do and and you you know and others may put their values aside at that point and go just we just need to increase our yield we need to put some chemicals and we need to do these things but just stick with it year in year out and I'm, I don't know. Do the yields vary? Am I, am I getting that right? Wrong? You know? Yeah, especially in the beginning when you yeah. when you do the transition and 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 I mean we we find that we like I said we have that natural resistance now and we we're able to ride more difficult yeah. times. But that doesn't that doesn't mean um, you know there's certainly challenges all along and there's challenges for every farmer regardless yeah. of what system you're yeah. in, right? Farming every really crop hard. you're trying to farm and, and 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 also for us a bit. You know, we olives are a once a year crop. So yeah. you work all year, and if the week before there's a hailstorm or there's wind and you lose everything, you have nothing, right? So <laughs> that's that's the nature of the beast, and and so of course, but we've always been super clear that those values mattered to us, and mm-hmm. that was, I think, the difference is. We didn't want to become olive farmers and then think about our values. Yeah. We wanted to do this. We wanted to do it differently, and yeah. therefore we became olive farmers in order to, order yeah. to do that. And I think when you spend so much time and be it the business, be it the brand, be it farming, yeah. you spend so much time and energy and stress and worry about getting this this thing right that it takes a long time to build something and yeah. very quickly it can be destroyed if you take the misstep yeah. or you cut the corner or you do that. Yeah. And and again, I think that's something that, that farming teaches you. You're in it for the long haul yeah. and we want to have that approach in the business, right? Yeah. And so, and we are, we, we are, we've built our business on direct relationships. So with the, with the re- restaurant um, set up and the community project, we work directly with chefs. We don't, there's no, distributors involved okay. we do every, so we are literally responsible for every step from picking every olive and working with our farmers to delivering every box we use okay. a, we do use a courier but um yeah and and so all of those relationships are built on that depth they're mm-hmm. built on that transparency they're built on those those principles yeah the principles just, ethos values are what the chefs are buying into aren't they they're not buying from a distributor and just need olive oil they're buying everything you represent yeah, and, 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 and it works the other way as well. We we choose to work with chefs who get it. Yeah. And we, last year, had meetings with chefs where it wasn't right. And we yeah. said, no, you know what? I'm not sure this is right. Because when we work with another restaurant and we bring a restaurant in, it means that we can go to Zacros and we can bring another farm farming family on board. Okay. Or maybe three restaurants means another yeah. farming family. And actually... If you had 50% of your restaurants leave every year, you're replacing one insecure system for another insecure system. Yeah. So we say to people, you know, we need, you know, obviously we understand things change. Yeah. We understand, you know, we understand we've got to nurture this relationship, but we want you to come on board with the idea of the longevity of this a project. Com- a commitment, yeah. Come out to Greece, be part of it. We want to get farmers over here and, and, and you know, it's so funny. I think sometimes if your grandfather and, grandmother farmed and yeah. you know blah 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 I think sometimes olive farming 
especially for young people, maybe not the most exciting thing ever. Yeah. And I want to say, like, you know, in Dorset, in London, some of the coolest restaurants <laughs> think what you're doing is amazing. Yeah. You, you know, it's like a shift in perspective. So. Yeah. And as we talked a lot about the farming side, but clearly, and we started to touch on the commercialization there in a way, but, you know, how did you and your brother find, you know, you've learned the farming, you've learned the techniques, you came up with your ethos values, you started to tender the land and the, and the olive trees, but there's another side, isn't there, which is create a brand, create a business, you know, sell the product. You know, how was that as a transition? How was that experience for you both? I think the... I mean, it was difficult. I mean, it's been, it's been, when we had no, like, no links in the food industry, no, you know. So it was out, with, out of uni, yes. farming apprentices that done the education bit, I suppose. And it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, I've, I've, I've been a chef in four kitchens and yeah. so I, you know, or anything like that. I think the most, the biggest shift, and I do want to talk about the beginning, but the biggest shift recently has been shifting from, selling our two fields to becoming part of a community project okay and that's really allowed me to kind of shed any issues i've had with selling yeah and been like you know what this isn't about me anymore this is about the community and i'm going to be in this meeting and i'm going to do everything i can i think when it's when you're talking about yourself and look, this is my this and yeah. this, is, sometimes that can be a little bit difficult. So I think that's been really interesting. Uh, okay, that transition between yeah, effectively selling your product to representing a community and yes. selling the yeah, yeah, community's yeah. product. Yeah. And so, but, but I mean, uh, I remember when we did, we did the label, we did the bottling, we did, and then we had to do the logistics and we didn't know how to do any of that and yeah. I remember my brother saying are we ready I said I think so I don't really know and, and I remember the pallet arriving at home the first pallet arriving at home and I remember thinking we'd done it yeah. like we'd done it and then my brother being like well, we've got to sell it yeah. we've made it we've got it to the UK now we need to re- generate revenue and then you know the, the first um, bottle we sold was my to my uncle and then it was to my neighbour and I think We've been very lucky to have met people along the way yeah. who've really bought into what we're doing. So we've met some amazing, amazing delis and amazing chefs. Particularly when we started with the um, uh, with the restaurant project. Yeah. Uh, there's a group of bakeries and restaurants in London called Jolene. Okay. And uh, and then also the Pig locally. Yeah. Um, we met both of those before we even have had community oil in the country. And we just had a sample okay. and James Golding at, at the pig is an amazing chef and really champions this sort of thing. And we sat down and, and both of, both of them, uh, said, you know, I remember, you know, cold emailing Jolene being super nervous to go in, yeah. they, you know, they gave me a tour, they filled me with food. We sat for an hour with the owner to talk about it. And, and the same, same with James at the pig. And, and at the end they backed us, you know, and they, and they right. backed us before we had oil. So they tasted the sample, but we, it wasn't like we could deliver the next week. We said, Oh, just give us a, give us another another season. Yeah. And, and so I think from a business point of view, you know, that obviously makes a big difference, but from a point of view of like, we're going on a a whole new project now, you know, we've got these two amazing people who believe it suddenly you think, you know what, we can do this, you know, and, and meeting, great people who believe in what you're doing and willing to back you is so you know that's such a difference to to 
if not anything else, the confidence that it can happen. And I think going back to that idea of values and principles and ethos, those relationships are so much deeper Mm. and more meaningful because of that. Because they're buying based on the values, the ethos and the principles, aren't they? Yeah, and and they want to be part of that. Yeah, they want to be part of the journey with you, which makes it a completely different customer supplier relationship isn't it yeah yeah exactly and and we're so uh, you know now we work with a handful of restaurants and locally we also work with roots down in southbourne which okay. is an amazing restaurant and you know also you 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 spend all that time and energy and love producing something you want it to go to people who value it yeah. and cherish it and you know and you you produce it to share and so the idea that these amazing chefs and, and the people who go and eat there you know, and, and going in and I get photos from friends like, oh, look at the back of the big menu. It's got two, you know, and that's like that's the most amazing yeah. kind of uh, feeling and excitement. Although it is slightly interesting because you go back to Zacros and you say, we're in the pig. And that doesn't mean anything <laughs> to, to, to anyone. They look around you and picking yeah. you mad. And how does it feel? You mean, you've been on this journey with your brother. So by the sounds of it, from the, the early part of the story, it sounds like you're always close. Um, how's it been, you know, as two siblings going on this journey together? It's been interesting. I mean, we have our moments. We're incredibly close and, you know, we're best friends. So yeah. I think that makes a big difference. I think the I think the thing is, is that even if it's not completely defined perfectly where we're going, through those values and through through what we believe in, we know the direction we're heading. Yeah. And so... We make every, I mean, to be honest, we make all of our decisions together and we're able to do that because we're so small. Um, But even if one of us was to make a decision that the other disagreed with, actually we know it was in the the same direction, just a different path of getting there. And I think that allows for a different kind of relationship and to be a bit more, we're not kind of pulling in two different directions and there's that friction there. So even when there are bumps in the road, then you kind of are like, well, I can kind of see, you know, why you would think that and how we would get there. Um, And I think sometimes it means with farming and with business and it being family, there's no escape and... It's twenty four seven. I think it? that's particularly probably for my brother because I'm. I mean, I'm twenty seven and don't apart from two fields, don't have loads of responsibilities. Yeah. He's married with his family with a baby girl, and yeah. I, so I have to check myself sometimes. That kind of one in the morning text or that you know, or, <laughs> I've been thinking about this or you know, or, um, or and also the rhythms in Greece yeah. and England. We're on different. You know, sometimes if we need to do something, I can send out four emails and generally it will get done pretty quickly. Yeah. It's not always how it works in Greece. <laughs> uh, and not because of my brother, because, yeah. of, you know, and, and your way of life. So there's all those kind of things. But ultimately, when you do, when you do have those successes, there's no one you'd rather share it with. Yeah. And I think, I think, and I know this sounds a little bit harsh, but I think the truth is like no one cares like you care and no one understands it like you do so to have someone kind of in the trenches for the good and the bad when it's all going on and you can turn and you just don't feel completely on your own makes a huge difference absolutely i can see that and i think something that everybody can take away isn't it is that you know be it in business with family or with others or you know you're just trying to lead a team it's that alignment to a goal isn't it you've got a strong sense of purpose and what you want to achieve. And I suppose it's that, like you said, absolutely, it's that alignment that drives you together and then at least you're going in the same direction at, you know, 
so at times maybe at different paces, but you know exactly where you want you want to be. And I think another another huge thing is is the communication piece in that. Yeah. You know, and and I think two of the things that we've got much better at are one, someone saying actually no, like yeah, I'm just it's Sunday. I'm just going to actually you know, I'm going I'm going to the beach with my family, or yeah. and now I'm going to go and see my friends, and we're yeah. putting a you know. And because also one of the things about running a business is is you can just work. Mm. <laughs> you can just work yeah. when you know whenever you want and how long ever you want. Or you can get f- caught in the trap of I need to rest, and then you don't work, yeah. and then you're rest. You know, and yeah. and so you have to kind of catch yourself in both. I think. And the other thing I think we've become much better at, especially as things have got some, the kind of I guess the pressure has built in some way. Now we're we're meeting some really you know I mean we've always worked with great mm. top chefs but you think you get bigger opportunities right and I think something we've both become better at is protecting each other mm. and saying you know especially maybe me in the UK here when I'm I'm meeting the chefs and I go well I've got this meeting then you go in and then you kind of have to phone up and report back to Greece you know yeah. and everyone <laughs> wants to know and sometimes it's not always good news no. and and it's and it's and I think we become better at protecting each other okay. and it and, and being like well it's not personal. It's not your fault that that failed. Yeah. Or how can we do that better? Or you know, if it's tricky in the field, saying I'm not saying. Well, come on, mate. What you you know? It's, <laughs> come it's, on, it's, we need that produce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's and we've. I think we've become better at that, okay. which has made a, a big difference as well. And typically, you're based in the UK. Harry's based over there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and Harry's there pretty much full time. Yeah. And I'm in the UK pretty much full time. I'm in. I mean, Greece throughout the year, I try not yeah. to fly too often, to be honest. I go out for long periods rather okay. than short periods. Yeah. I'm there in the in the winter through harvest okay. for a couple of months. Yeah. Um, and then, for example, now we've just got a new... Um, we've just taken over kind of an old lemonade factory in Greece, actually, to turn into a community hub and to have a storage and things. And so that needs a... That's quite a big job to get it up, so I'm going to go out there and we're going to spend a few weeks getting wow. that all together. So... Um, there's no rhyme or reason. We just kind of see how it goes. But always in the winter for the harvest. Yeah. And that's, again, we kind of set almost non-negotiables. Two of them are, one, I'm always for the harvest. Okay. You know, I, I never want to be disconnected from that. That yeah, is what that we do. Is. That is why we do what we do. Uh, and number two was that two fields, you know, especially coming from a creative background, I said two fields always have to have a platform for us to do creative projects. Okay. So we do, we tell the story about there was a salt ban in Greece and, and we told this this beautiful story about the salt ban and, and then we went and collected salt and we sold 100 pouches of salt and we didn't sell the, you know, it wasn't a good business decision, right? Yeah. It was a lot of time and it wasn't a lot of money, <laughs> but, you know, we were excited about that story yeah. and it was, and I and it kind of sat down and I wrote it all and we took the photos and that, those are the projects that get me excited and I want, you know, if we're the we're in charge and yeah. we're creating this thing, I want it to allow us to do that kind Business of stuff. Business has got to be there for you rather than you be there for it. Yeah. Which is a mistake that so many of us make in businesses that we start with, you know, these ideas, these principles, this kind of balance we want or whatever it may be we want to achieve. And we have that focus, passion and belief. But somewhere along the way, and it's great to hear that, you know, you and Harry aren't in this place, but so many of us are somewhere along that journey lose our way a little bit and the business starts to control us and dictate our lives, our rhythm, our how much time we spend with our family, how much time we do the other things we love. Do we act for the right kind of clients? Do we do the things that initially made us happy? And 
it takes quite a strong will and personality to not let that happen. And I think it's a constant thing, right? Yeah. It's a constant checking in, a constant um, yeah, reflection on all of those things. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And where do you see two fields in... I'm going to ask one of those typical podcast questions now, but where do you see two fields in five, ten years' time? Uh, I, do, I think one of the most exciting things about two fields is that it, and like we talked about, is that it is evolved and it's unfolded. Um, and so, you know, when we started two fields and it was every olive came from our, every drop comes from our two fields, I was so headstrong, probably. I, I was like, we would never ever sell <laughs> a drop of oil from and then you and then suddenly it kind of opens up that oh actually we could do something really good here and yeah. we could help people so i do have that sense that things unfold and i want to watch them unfold yeah but certainly we don't have aspirations to be a, a huge business you know we we will only ever work within our community within yeah. our region um we we want to get more families on board. We've got families waiting to join the project. We want to work with more chefs. So that's suddenly certainly something we want to do. For me, there's two kind of big bigger goals, which are we have a aging population in Zacros and mm-hmm. young people are leaving and young people aren't taking up farming. So if we can kind of inspire and excite young people to be part of that farming journey and, and keep young people and kind of have a bit of a renaissance of that, that would be super exciting. Um and the second is I want, like I said, this isn't about us anymore. And I want people to be part of that. Yeah. And so we, we work with farmers who've got way more experience than yeah. us. And when we sat down at the beginning, especially with the first families, you know, and with the first chefs, we said, well, you want to be honest, we don't have any idea what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we, what we have is this relationship where we're being helped as much as we're helping. Yeah. And so I would love it, especially with young people, if... Even if it isn't farming, but someone went and did finance or someone went and did marketing, they could bring those skills and they could shape this thing and they could be kind of proud of what it is. And so that's kind of where I would like to take it. And and, and then finally, I would like to build a model to give away for people to do in their communities. So I think there's something really important about change from the ground up. And I think you can... It's really difficult to make change if you're not in a community, you don't understand the nuances of community, you don't know how it all operates. And again, like I said, you don't have that feeling of being in it together. Yeah, belonging. Yeah. And so we've had we've had people contact us from Spain and, and Italy. Would you take our olives or would you do this? No, I don't we don't understand that. It's not yeah. us and that's not and I spend a lot of my time writing emails and giving advice and sending all that stuff out. It's a joy to do. But what I'd love to do is build a blueprint to say, this is our community collective. This is how we've done it. We don't have all the answers. Here are some of the bigger challenges. Here are some of the things that really helped. Because ultimately, that's how we got into regenerative farming, by having those resources, by people being abundantly generous with that. And so to be able to do that would be really, really great as well. Brilliant. And you clearly see this as a legacy business, don't you? Yeah, I mean... It's so personal and it's so, you know, um, and how our roles evolve in that, who knows? But, yeah. but yes, 100%, I think, particularly for, I mean, for both of us, but on the farming side, I think particularly for my brother, it would be such a, a, a beautiful thing to be able to pass down. And as, as he was passed, you yeah. know, and we were past the trees. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. I see this, I see this kind of hopefully. And that's also 
that changes every every decision we make. You see, you have to see every decision through a lens. Yeah. And we've actually been. That's actually. I know this sounds weird, and maybe all the business experts there are cringing, but um, that's actually somewhat tempered our growth. Okay. Because we have never wanted to like shoot to the sky, and mm-hmm. I mean we have grown incredibly quickly. Yeah. But we've always been. Instead of being vertical, let's make sure we're going. Yeah, but as, you know, let's take our time. Let's get these decisions right, and let's make sure we build a business that's relevant in ten years, and that people and the relationships that people get stronger over time yeah. and don't diminish. And so that has affected all the decisions we make in two fields. I don't. I think that's a, it's, it's an. I admire you and the admiration for you because again, it comes back to what we we're talking about earlier during the conversation. Where is that? You've got these principles, you've got these values, you've got this ethos, you know what you know, you know what you want to do and how you're gonna go about doing it, and therefore the pace of business growth is dictated by that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, you know. You know, it's um you know, as I said earlier, a lot of businesses try and shoot for the stars, but without some of those foundations in place. And sometimes it just takes a bit longer to get to where you want to get to. But doing it in the right way is a great thing to have achieved, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's been you know the most challenging and exciting <laughs> and rewarding thing, and 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 I think uh, I say to be like, oh, business is like the hardest thing I've ever done, and then you go, well, actually, farming's probably one of the <laughs> you know, but there's great kind of it's very fulfilling to do that. And as we start to wrap up the conversation, just you know, two final questions. One is. What have you learned about yourself during this journey? I think that you can do it and that it's possible, right? I think sometimes you can you can sit and, and you can think people have a knowledge that you don't have or they have a this that you don't have or and you know we've been like I said we've been incredibly supported in that way, but I think just that you can do it and it's about connecting with the people and 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 you know, I've certainly learned when I'm not what I'm not very good at, and <laughs> and and you know what I need help on. I think, yeah. and and also the importance of unknowing that, yeah, and saying right, right, actually, I need someone to help me with the numbers because that's a little bit not you know in my and or versus, actually, I really know. I feel like I'm good at storytelling and I'm good at the brand, and I really want to kind of own that part yeah. of it. And so I think learning yourself what you're good at and what you're yeah. not good at matters. Um, but also that it's possible and that you can do it. Brilliant. But yeah, playing to your strengths and knowing your weaknesses and getting those covered is, you know, it is one of the routes to success, definitely. And I suppose talking about success, I always end with this final question. What's your personal definition of success, Will? At the moment right now, and I think this may change as my life changes, but it's um, it's freedom. Okay. So it's it's to have the ability to do what I love, to do that anywhere, um, and um, to be kind of excited by that, I, I kind of I'm building something that hopes is allowing, not restrictive. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And if people want to learn more about you, more about Harry, more about the Two Field story, where can they go? Uh, they could go to our website or our Instagram, which is Two Fields T W O, the word, uh, and Zachros, which is Z A K R O S. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you, Will, for being a great guest on the Evolve to Succeed podcast. I've really enjoyed the conversation. I love the ethos and the principles you've got. 
I'm going to be going to that website, listeners, and buying a bottle of two fields olive oil. It needs to be done. I need to try it. I haven't had the conversation. Thank you for being a great guest on the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. My hope with every episode is that you've learned something new or heard something that challenged your way of thinking and further motivated you on your path towards becoming a more knowledgeable, informed and inspired individual and business leader. If you enjoyed this episode, then please help us by rating, reviewing and subscribing. We really value your feedback and would love to have you along for future episodes. And please don't forget to learn more about Evolve by going to evolvemembers.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week.